tough transition. I don't know why. <sighs> I haven't had to use a teacher like call and response in a while. Ugh. Welcome on this like I'm warm. I I, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know if it's just because I like get nervous every Sunday or what, but I I'm I'm quite warm this morning, so I apologize. <laughs> Um, a handful of years ago, during a youth group meeting, the conversation um, was zigging and zagging, as it usually did, um, and somehow landed on this like, t- like very grand topic of peace, <laughs> um, like naturally, as 13-year-olds, that, that would come up. Um, and the question was raised, can peace exist if there is conflict? And I, I think today, like, it's still one of my favorite memories of youth group. Like, it, like every once in a while, it'll come up, and me and Joel will be like, remember that time that, that they, were, they were having this conversation? There were differing thoughts among the students, and they shared them fiercely, as adolescents do, but not without kindness, until understanding, not consensus, um, had been come to. Initially, there were two very diametrically opposed beliefs that, yes, peace is reliant even on conflict, and no, the presence of conflict means there is, in fact, no peace. In the end, I don't believe anybody actually came to like a, a profound agreement, um, but the gap that had started was no longer there. And I remember watching these incredible adolescents and kind of being in awe having this really hard conversation, proving even in that moment that sometimes conflict doesn't negate peace, that sometimes peace does rely on it. The conversation began with emotions running high, and as they settled, progress was made. The container for the conversation was a safe one, a room that no longer exists downstairs in the basement. And the folks contributing seemed assured that speaking their thoughts wouldn't fracture any of the relationships that were present. Still, the courage present was beautiful. And I marveled at children doing what was necessary to get to truth, participating in practical disagreement and activity that I have gone great lengths to avoid. (laughs) And I'm being, like, very honest about that. (laughs) When I say that conflict isn't just something I don't like, but something that feels wrong in every fiber of my body. I hate it, and I know that I am not alone because I sit with people every single day that have a similar difficulty, and we talk about the havoc it eventually wreaks on them and how challenging that becomes. And in those moments, I'm aware of my own deficiencies when I begin to work with them and understanding that conflict doesn't always mean bodily harm or violence or not being safe. It does often create discomfort, and it comes with powerful and challenging emotions that don't always feel good, but they can be necessary. Consider the times even, um, consider the times that you were moved to do something because you were so mad that you couldn't stop thinking about it, anger, is not something we feel great about feeling, but it's necessary. Consider even the way perhaps grief moved you to book an Airbnb in Kiev or buy products 
from Ukraine on Etsy this week. These difficult and uncomfortable feelings can lead us down the good road. They are things, they're feelings that alert us that something is wrong. Conflicts within our own bodies help us to act on conflicts present outside of them. It might feel like our roles as followers of Christ are to quell conflict, to keep peace, which is an interesting evolution of Christian culture, given that historically Christianity has spread through domination and violence in a lot of different places. But neither of these paths are actually right for us. In today's scripture, Jesus shows us that engaging in conflict is necessary even when it's hard, and it is part of following the good road sometimes. If you'd like to follow along in Luke chapter 12, we're going to read 49 through 59. Creator sets free, knew that his followers were not prepared for the effect his message would have on their nation and what would soon happen to him in the sacred village of peace. I came down from above to ignite a fire on this land and how I long for it to burn, he said to his followers. I have a purification ceremony with fire to accomplish and I am desperate to finish it. Do you... Do you look for me to bring peace to this land? No, I tell you that first there will be a great conflict. The message I bring will pierce like the blade of a long knife. It will even separate family members. A family of five will take sides, three against two and two against three, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, uncles and nephews, aunties and nieces. They will all fight like enemies, all because of me and my message. Creator sets free, then said to the crowd, when a cloud rises in the west, you say, it will rain soon, and so it does. The wind blows from the south, and you say, it will be a hot day, and so it is. Then he spoke to the spiritual leaders. You who wear false faces, you understand what the earth, wind, and sky are saying, but you are blind to the message of the season you live in. If someone has a complaint against you, why not work things out on the way to tribal council? Can you not decide on your own what is right and come to an agreement? The council may decide against you and turn you over to ones who have the power to banish you, where there is no way back until honor is restored. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe not quite the Jesus we're used to. It feels important. (laughs) It felt important to me as I was preparing today to pay attention to like what might be going on inside of Jesus in this moment. What might be his motivation for like just hollering at people? <laughs> Jesus knows that he's running out of time. And I, I think he might be feeling frantic. He's on this road toward Jerusalem and it seems maybe like folks aren't getting it yet that they're just relying on him still to fix things and bring miracles and not realizing that he's trying to teach them how to build the kingdom too. And I thought that perhaps Jesus was beginning to experience some like anticipatory grief about his own death, about leaving people that he loves, perhaps not feeling quite like he's done what he was supposed to do. And while like the stages of grief we know are 
an oversimplification of like a very big experience. I kept thinking of them while reading this passage and like, sounds to me like Jesus is in that anger stage. <laughs> like, just get with it, everybody. He says, I came down to, from above to ignite a fire on this land and how I long for it to burn. I have a purification ceremony with fire to accomplish and I'm desperate to finish it. He's here to burn the land and then the purification ceremony that um, the First Nation version talks about is translated to baptism in most other versions. Fire and water, both forces of destruction and also of cleansing. He's doing what he can to tell everybody I'm doing the really hard part of cleaning right now, but the growing and moving forward and the building, that's up to you, and you're not learning in this moment how to get it done. <laughs> it's here that Jesus warns those listening that the moving, the road they're going to follow will be hard. I just had a memory. <laughs> I just had a memory of when I was teaching eighth graders and I got to the end of the year, and I was like, they are going to be high schoolers next year, and they are not ready. And I, like, started to freak out in the moment, <laughs> and I was so angry at them for not realizing, like, that they had work to do. And I did the same thing. Sorry, that was, like, it just came, like, so vivid. I had to share. Jesus knows that peace will not be achieved before he's gone, that the fire will continue to rage, that families will be split over his message and what he stands for. And they actually already had. We, we have letters from this time of Roman families that talk about the loss of their children to the Christians. Imagine rifts in Jewish families where members commit to Jesus. It would be like so hard to know that that's happening or to be a part of that family. It feels impossible in this moment to not think of the difficulties now that families face over conflicts concerning what the right thing to do is. Jokes abound about banned Thanksgiving meal topics. And yet it seems like maybe he's saying if the topic relates to kingdom building, we can't ban it. He takes a moment here to call out the Pharisees and other spiritual leaders that appear to be clean and pure, but are actually hypocrites. They may look pious, but because they don't get their hands dirty, doing the hard work that the Spirit leads us to do on the good road, but they keep the kingdom from others when they don't do that. They don't speak up when their own lives and livelihood are at risk. Here, he challenges them to actually engage and not just opt out. And he ends this passage with an illustration that points out that specific hypocrisy. That when it is our own lives on the line, we understand that not engaging in conflict could have dire consequences. He paints this picture. Say someone is going to the council about me. Say I've done something that makes them angry. And if I don't go to them first and try and work it out, I could get banished. So of course, I would do something about it. I would go to them. I would talk to them. In this situation, you would do it if it meant your life was on the line. But he's making sure that they know that perhaps they should consider the same scenario when it's 
other people's lives on the line. Jesus knows he is going to die, but that all the lives are on the line, and there isn't time to just be nice anymore. He can't just be the miracle bringer. He has to get his followers to understand that the good road ahead has work on it to do. A a memory kept coming to mind when I was reading this passage um, and preparing for today. And I'm I'm going to share it, but I kind of wanted to start with a confession (laughs) because it's it's about stuff that happened on Facebook. And and it feels weird that social media is like a main character in a story that I'm going to share with you. Um, And I, as a person, am like still pretty on the fence about like social media activism and also was like at a community organization, organizer conference several years ago where they were like, you might not think it means anything, but like actually there's a ton of data to support like Facebook comments are important and like can change people's thoughts. And I was like, really? I don't know. <laughs> I just had to like confess that before I told the story. Um, several years ago when another crisis or war, I like honestly can't even remember which one, led to the need for us and other um, countries to accept refugees, um, mostly Muslim refugees. I happened to come across a Facebook post from my old youth leader, my high school youth leader's wife. And it said, we can't take in more folks, not because we don't love them, but because we love our own. And I like, it, it just like, I mean, I'm a person that problematically scrolls pretty quickly <laughs> through things, but I just like paused. Like, I just was like, what? what? What did I just read? Like, this was a woman that I had looked up to in high school, which is when I first started going to church, like a person that shaped and formed my early faith journey. And I had known then that we had some like ideological differences, but I felt shocked that, about this message because I despite like knowing our differences, had always seen her as a really incredibly caring person. Like, yeah. And so it was, it was really hard, and I couldn't reconcile the person that I knew with the person that would argue against accepting people seeking safety from war. Like, it just it didn't make sense. And I felt myself becoming angry. <laughs> Shocker. But I... Uh, did not comment on her Facebook post because I was terrified too. Because like I said, conflict is scary and I don't want to do it. Um, I didn't engage that day because I was afraid. And, and rather, I perhaps passive-aggressively posted my own support of accepting refugees. And I don't remember like, if anybody commented on that post. But there was like something in that time of my life where I was like, I... Like, if someone's going to post something like that and I see it and it, like, meant something inside of me got stirred, maybe I will post things. You know, like, I had a rather small personal circle. I was pretty new to the city. But I had a big internet circle, so I thought, well, I'll post things and maybe that will happen to other people. So I just started posting everything, like, stuff about that. Um, The refugees, uh, Black Lives Matter movement was pretty new and getting started, so I was like, let's post that. Um, the Dakota Access Pipeline was happening, so post about that. Pretty much anything that stirred inside of me and felt important to kingdom building, I was like on Facebook. 
And it was not long before this woman <laughs> did comment on a post. And it, it happened to be a poem that was being performed by a black woman about the pain of raising a black son. And in the video, she was appropriately angry. And rather than ask about the content of the poem or like what made me post it, the, um, the, this person posted something like, so much talent being wasted on anger. And I actually missed that comment. I was like at work um, and didn't know what was happening. Um, but that like created a Facebook battle <laughs> on my page um, between her and a friend of mine from South Dakota who was in seminary at the time, this was before I was. But then I got a text at work um, from my old youth leader letting me know that she was sorry for upsetting my friend and she would no longer be following me or commenting on my social media. It was clear our viewpoints had, had grown too far apart. I texted her back and offered to talk um, and never got a response. During quarantine, I got a private message. <laughs> this was like seven years ago. During quarantine, I got a private message from her for the first time since then asking or saying that she was thinking of me and would love to know what I was up to. And I was shocked and was like, yeah, and offered a Zoom date, but again, got no response. <laughs> I like actually checked it this morning. <laughs> I was like, maybe I missed it. No, I didn't. And I, I, I want to say that I know this is not a, a great illustration and example. This person that is no longer a part of my life, that, that is a loss for me, this relationship wasn't a strong one. It was a person I didn't really interact with often at all. And so losing that relationship, while hard, certainly doesn't hold the same weight that other relationships might. And, and so it does feel a little silly to share a story that happened because of a Facebook post. And also, like I said, this person like planted a seed that grew to, to this day. And so I do feel grief. And I recognize that on the spectrum of risk for walking the good road, this example does fall on the low end. <laughs> and I want to make clear that I'm not trying to minimize the hurt that comes with loss of someone that you care about. Trust that I know that pain, that it's unique and sometimes indescribable. And I'm not ready to share mine yet, so that's why I chose this story. And I don't think Jesus is suggesting here that it's necessary for situations like this to happen. I, I don't think Jesus would like that at all. And yet we know it's possible. Jesus knew it was possible. He's telling us then. His purpose in coming to earth was not to leave it in complete peace, but rather leave it with the messages and examples of how to bring peace about. Jesus set the world on fire. He showed us what peace might look like and what we might have to do to accomplish it. The last few weeks have not been unique in that they have been filled with atrocities that illustrate how far we are from the peace Jesus wanted us to experience. And honestly, perhaps it won't actually be that hard when I think of examples of this very moment. It won't actually be that hard to come together with those that we've disagreed with previously on how to care for Ukrainian refugees, for example. It seems to be like there's a lot of energy from all sides, all people <laughs> around that. 
that idea. But I imagine it could be more difficult when we have to, to keep that same energy with folks when we're talking about Palestinians fleeing from Israeli apartheid. And I'm not saying we should abandon all sense of care for those that we disagree with and just lay them flat. Like, I know it's entirely possible the good road is presented to others in a different way than us. But what Jesus makes clear for us here is that we don't get to just opt out of pursuing peace when conflict is a factor. So as the world continues to remind us that peace is yet to come, let us pray that the Spirit fills us with the courage needed to pursue it in the way that Jesus illustrated for us, full of fiery passion and maybe a raised voice at the people that he loved that were following him. I'd like to end today with a, a, a little bit of an unconventional prayer. Um, I'm going to borrow it almost in entirety from the poet Amanda Gorman. Will you pray with me? Loving God, let us in times of conflict and sorrow remember that we will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. And every known nook of our nation and every corner called our country, our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battled, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn balloons as we free it. For there is always light, if only we are brave enough to see it, if only we are brave enough to be it. May it be so. Amen. go back to your bulletin. Um, as we come to the table this morning, we have a prayer of the people with our Lord's Table Liturgy. You follow along with me. Merciful Creator, we have so many questions, so many concerns. We see division in our own hearts, in relationships, in the community, and around the world. We're particularly burdened by the division that comes when the road to violence, oppression, and power is chosen over your good road. As we hear news and see images of war in Ukraine, our hearts break, as yours does. We humbly offer prayers for those caught in the violence, for those sheltering in place, for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for your comfort and peace. For the defenseless, the sick, the tired. We pray for your stamina and your justice. For the confused and the disoriented. We pray for your wisdom and guidance. Creator sets free. Guide our thoughts and actions, giving us courage to respond to the needs of our siblings in the darkest of days. And when we are tempted to stray from your good, good road, renew and inspire us. For we know your message brings division, but also deep transformation. Spirit of God, when paths of transformation lead us into times of wilderness, periods of learning and unlearning, realities winding and unruly, may your presence be our steady companion. If we feel afraid of the unfamiliar or unknown, a stranger to where you are leading. Remind us we do not go alone. All who seek your wisdom are wandering. 
when we forget, remind us this is part of love's work. Help us to be patient with our journey, letting love set the pace. If we feel ashamed, confronted by regrets, embarrassed by ignorance, or trapped by snares of guilt, may your grace be near and let courage steady our way. To you, we will turn for nourishment along the way, remembering the simple pleasures of being alive, of being together, of being among the creations of your hand. There is no stretch of the earth where delight cannot be found. All with the desire to further the common good, lead us more deeply into the heart of love. In the company of your promises, faith shall be our guide, starting here at the table. As we come to the table and begin once more our Lenten journey, we seek to follow faithfully, remembering the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We tell the story that God invites each of us into. Christ died to set us free from sin, was raised to break the power of death, and will come again to bring us the wholeness for which we long. The table of the Lord is open for all who would seek and accept the forgiveness Christ offers us.